This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. It's hard to believe, but this is the 50th episode of Radiant Reflections. And as we mentioned before, today, Ryan, Josh, and I are joined by Pastor Brandon Kinsey, our next steps and community pastor. And this episode is completely devoted to answering your questions. Those of you that are listening to this podcast submitted questions for this 50th episode. We're tackling those questions that you've submitted in this edition of Radiant Reflections with Ryan Bibb, Josh Harima, Brandon Kinsey, myself, Josh Brown. Hey, welcome to episode 50 of Radiant Reflections. My name is Josh Harima, joined once again by my co-host, Pastor Ryan Bibb. How are you doing this morning, Ryan? I'm doing good. This is like our Pentecost Episode. Oh yeah, the 50. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Rock and roll. So we are joined today by our often off-camera mm-hmm. producer, Pastor Josh Brown, and our often not even in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> I walk by as, from as, time as, to time as while we're doing the podcast. Pastor Brandon Kinsey, how are yeah. you guys doing? I'm good. Fine. As good as can be, as right? Yeah. Fair to Midland. Fair to yeah. Midland. I haven't heard that one in a while. No, he, that's your, that's one of your things. That I think yeah. I've I've ended up saying that a couple of times. You know yeah. how the people you hang out with, like they their rub little, off. Their little yeah. sayings, like you're like, oh wow, yeah. I just I just said that. That yeah. sounds a lot like JB Ryan's uh, term EGR. That's I've that's rubbed off on me. Oh yeah, yeah. Do I have a saying? Uh, you do. Yes. So so actually, wow. Why are you guys some. so quick on that? So on paradoxical. Nicole. It's a paradoxical <laughs> statement. <laughs> Every everything is a paradox. <laughs> It's a paradox. <laughs> so you see, so you have that. Um, okay. I think Nicole has been listening to the earlier episodes of the podcast. Yeah. We're only in a couple of those episodes. She says, uh, "What do you say? Type of deal? Type of that you say that you as a filler word. I, I think that's phrase. your. Oh, like it's yeah. a. I don't know what type of deal. Like huh. that's kind of like your. Yeah, your, yeah. You say that. And see, and that's mine. I I say yeah, yeah, or yeah, I have yeah. that really obnoxious laugh. Like yeah, yeah. That I just kind of. <laughs> I love your you. laugh. By you the just way. have a deep old man laugh. A deep old man. It laugh. It comes within the depths of your belly. Which, if we haven't said this already on the podcast, if you really want to enjoy things, uh, listen to the podcast at half speed. Oh geez. And, yes, uh, it's a gut laugh experience. I mean, it's therapeutic. I. I think that someone was, was crying. We yeah, yeah we were. I think a few of us were crying when we, <laughs> yeah. when we did that. Because so. that goes back to your laugh. Hearing that laugh at, at half, half speed. speed. It, that's uh, a gem. Uh, <laughs> now, if they go and listen to that at half speed, it's really yes. going to be, whoa, mind blown. Well, hey, for this episode, uh, we told you guys we wanted you to create the content for it, and you did. We, we got a handful of questions that were submitted. Uh, by y'all. So we're going to try to work through these. Some of these are uh, pretty heavy. I honestly, I don't know if we're going to give you satisfactory answers on some of these. Uh, and, and that's all right. Uh, some of them you can spend a whole podcast on. <laughs> like yeah. that one for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we could spend a whole episode on that. <laughs> we could. We could. All right. Um, yeah, so some of these are... are uh, more serious. Uh, one of them will probably actually refer to you to an epi- an earlier episode of the podcast for uh, because we covered it kind of in depth. Maybe we'll do a brief. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but we're going to jump right in. Uh, so this question was submitted, and we're going to start with a heavy hitter. Is it biblical for women to be pastors? 
Well, look at the time. <laughs> All right, we'll see you yeah. for episode 51. <laughs> Not a single woman in the room. Yeah. Talk about four guys swinging yeah. right out of the gates. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question, though. I will say this before I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys jump in first, but um, with all these questions, let's, let's, let's not die on molehills. Let's die on true doctrine of who Jesus Christ is. Yeah. And it's okay if we have differences here, but let's not allow those little differences to be significant wedges in the kingdom of God. Yeah. All right, that's, that's all. I that's, that's all I got to say. There you go. That's, I think, I think for me, this is why I say, I think for me, this question is a molehill, um, and and that, that's why I say that. But it's a, it's a great question because, I mean, there are divisions, if you will, even within our own within Protestant denominations that vary. One is absolutely women cannot be pastors. The other is yes, women can be pastors. So how do we balance? Which I, I guess I will say, I'll I'll. I'll be a six here, which Kron actually says six. One of the terms for six is devil's advocate. Right? Do you do you think that you view this as a molehill because of your how you would respond to this question, it, whether or not it's biblical? Versus, I mean, and I'm, I don't I don't want to tip your hat, so maybe you want to just your knee jerk reaction. <clears throat> do you do you believe that it's biblical for a woman to be a pastor? I do. So, I do, so but do I don't think, think that, that is. I don't think that's why I view it as a molehill. I view almost everything as a molehill outside of who Jesus Christ is, um, and those are the hills to die on. Because um, there's some churches that will make significant stances yeah. on this. Well, and so and, it but, turns but, the molehill into a bigger hill than what it really should be. But what I'm saying is, if if you have a church that would be, and, and to use some of the the terminology right you have you have people that would be egalitarian saying hey men women you can have all the same roles Mm -hmm. you have people who are complementarian and they say well men and women are are equal but we have different roles you know that would be but but even within that you know jb and you and i are talking there's a spectrum right there's a spec it's not like oh i'm either this or i'm this you might be somewhere in the middle but if you're if you lean towards uh, more of a, a strict complementarian view, you know, might this be a bigger issue because you say, whoa, if you don't do this, you are, you're violating something that they feel is a clear biblical sure. call for how churches should be structured. Yeah. To where that is, you know, to them, that's a significant issue. I, I, don't know, I don't know. Does, sure. does that make sense? No, that makes sense. It does. It does. I, I want to agree with, with what Ryan said. As I was praying about this topic and thinking about it, I want to address the person, not, not by name, but the person that answered this question. If God's calling you, don't get hung up on, on a title. Yeah. You know, pastor means shepherd. It right. just means uh, this is just a person who helps care for God's sheep. And every guy in these seats, we would say, we're under-shepherds of the great shepherd. Mm-hmm. We're not lead shepherds or, or, or anything like that as pastors. We're just called to care for God's people. So the woman who asked this question, if God's calling you to shepherd his sheep, do it. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Absolutely. You know, not to give a specific verse to argue a point, but over and over throughout the Gospels, uh, Jesus was interacting with women uh, there were 
it's just over and over, and we view Scripture so often in our Western eyes 2,000 years later. Um, you know, in that culture back then, women were just above farm equipment. Like, they were, they, they didn't have a say. They couldn't vote. They, like, there are all these different things. So I think in society we've progressed quite a bit, but Jesus would always elevate, you know, specifically the Samaritan woman at the well, like Jesus even interacting with her, the fact that she is a Samaritan, the fact that she is a woman, more than likely she had a reputation sort of thing. The fact that this rabbi was interacting with her, I mean, that was uncalled at the time. No rabbi would speak to a woman other than maybe his wife or his daughters out in public sort of thing. So, I don't know. I, you, you see it in between the lines if you understand the cultural context of the gospel sort of thing. So, if I see the Savior of the world elevating women's status, then why shouldn't I as a follower of Christ as well? Which you see, I mean, in a lot of ways, Paul also elevated women's status, but then the, the problematic issue, and where, from a biblical stance, uh, to, the, to the person who asked this question, right, the, the passages that most often get brought up in a conversation mm-hmm. about, is, is it biblical for a woman to be a pastor, they're going to be in First Timothy 2, yeah. um, and in First uh, Corinthians 14, you know, where Paul talks about how, hey, you know, women, be silent in church. First Peter 3. First Peter 3 is another one. Yeah, you know, so these are the passages that they normally uh, would look at. And, and kind of how you approach those passages will be what informs. <laughs> right. And, 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 that's, and that's where everyone that appeals to it, you know, if, if you're going to be more complementarian, you're going to say, hey, this is what it is. This is what it says. Uh, the things that Paul said are universal principles. Uh, people who are more uh, egalitarian are going to say, well, that." There's going to be like a cultural thing that wasn't, they would take, you know, Kinsey, what you're saying, they say, well, the, the full counsel of Scripture, we see this elevation of women. We see women involved in leadership. Uh, people refer to, um, in Romans 16, Paul talks about Phoebe. Yep. And people say, hey, she's a deacon, mm-hmm. yep. you know, which would, would be a, a leadership yeah. uh, position you know, in yep. church. Uh, you know, and they would say, well, clearly women were in Leadership Esther, roles. Deborah, right. the scriptures are full. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. So, yeah. so a lot of it is just how you, and we're not going to, I mean, you could probably do a full course at, at college on some of these things. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like JB said, the scripture's full of women in leadership roles. Right. From Deborah all the way, well, Miriam actually, all the way through. Um, what's interesting too is I think this question is really based on um, the idea that context is king where we have to understand why is Paul saying those things? Like you guys brought up Second Timothy. Uh, where is Timothy? Why is he writing to this young pastor? Well, Timothy's pastoring in the church of Ephesus. Well, what's happening in Ephesus and stuff? And it's funny that we bring that about women be quiet, but in that same exact area that Paul's writing to Timothy, he also says women don't braid your hair or wear jewelry. Well, women braid hair and wear jewelry today, but we don't take that. We just take that one little thing and say, oh, this is where women can't be pastors or whatever. But you have to understand, where, where's, where's Timothy? He's in Ephesus. What's going on in Ephesus? You've got the temple of Artemis right there that is priestess-driven. They believe that Artemis was basically the mother god of everything. And so they, if you will, in the temple of Artemis, they like overemphasized, like women are superior than men. And so you've got to realize that you have not new converts coming into Christianity, coming into faith, 
that were probably part of that and understanding, hey, Timothy, as a pastor, as you guide these people and direct them to the way of Jesus, be reminded, help them remind, because they had that certain way as they worshiped that pagan God, but there's a certain way here. And so his was a little different. Context is king to understand those things. The why. Yeah, yeah. And I also think what's interesting is when you see um, Aquila and Priscilla in the book of Acts, right? It's um, who's mentioned first, the husband. For the very first time when we introduce them, they're mentioned first. Every other time that couple is mentioned, she's mentioned first. It's almost like it changes. And they're the ones that are helping Apollos understand that Apollos knew the way of Jesus, but he forgot like the Holy Spirit aspect. And it's uh, Priscilla and Aquila that are the ones mentoring and teaching and be like, hey, this is, don't forget about the Holy Spirit type stuff. So, yeah, you see women leadership all throughout Scripture, but context is king when it really comes down to this question. Yeah. Uh, if you want more resources, there there's a set of three very short books. Uh, it's called Fresh Perspectives on Women in Ministry. Uh, Kathy Keller wrote one uh, from a complementarian view. John Dixon uh, wrote one. It's kind of like a middle of the road. He's he's a fun guy. I just remember when we went and saw him at uh, Founders. Isn't it Dickinson? Dixon. John Dixon. Is that him? Yeah. I thought it was always Dickinson. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, and then Michael Bird wrote one from an egalitarian standpoint. Um, you can find these on Amazon. I looked. They're again short little short little reads that kind of gives you the uh, the spectrum of views on this if you want to do a deeper dive. But, good, good question. Yeah. yeah. No. Good question. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we'll jump to the next one. Where did the name Radiant Life come from? How did you come up with it? What's the vision and purpose behind it? And why does it fit our body of believers here in Sturgis? This person is like me. They ask like three-part questions. It's a, so That is like a quadruple-barreled <laughs> question. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, of Moses, five and a half years ago, we've been here five and a half years now, and um, you know the church was called Sturgis Wesleyan Church, and ever since coming here, I mean this is my home church. I grew up here, but you start to hear more and more people saying, "I'm trying to invite my friends, my family, coworkers to come to church," but they see that denomination in the name Wesleyan, and they the what was kept coming up is, "I'm not Wesleyan, I'm not that, so why would I come here?" Type thing. And so I remember in 2016, I believe it was January 2016, um, some of our board, we, we, we had a meeting and the name was brought up again. And I said, um, the idea of changing the name of the church, getting the denomination out of the name. And um, I said, hey, if this is really going to happen, we need to come back together. And uh, I said, I wanted our spouses in the conversation as well. And we are going to seek the Lord. We're going to have a time of prayer and really seek this out together as a, as, a, as a board, as our, if you will, it's like our elders of the church. And so two weeks after that meeting, we got together, and we had a time of prayer, seeking the Lord. I remember bringing a whiteboard out, and I'm like, okay, wh- who are we as Christ followers? Like, what are some um, adjectives, I guess? What are, what are words that come to mind as we follow Christ, and who we ought to be to our community in this world? And... Um, started writing things down on the whiteboard. And I remember my whole goal in that prayer meeting, if we were going to do a name change, was to get confirmation from the Lord. Yes, this is the right move. I did not think into that prayer meeting we would walk away with a name as well. 
But the board was like, let's do this. Like and right we, now, tonight. Let's it let's was name this I remember bugger. we had everything from resurrection to radiant to um Redemption was Redemption. Uh, yeah, know. redemption, not resurrection. Um just all sorts of words. And then we ended up looking as like that's what we're called to be radiant, to beam who Jesus Christ is. And I, I forgot it. it. It tied in with another word. It was something life was another. Well, I think I think one of the one of the things that got pitched was radiant light. Radiant and then light. I think okay. It might have been okay. was it was it Benazic that like Yes, it was. I think he and we comboed he radiant put them life. And uh, what's cool, though, looking back, and, um, and yeah, so that's, I think that was in February um, of 2016, we really felt, and I was like, all right, we're, we left that meeting thinking that's what it was, we need more prayer time to make sure that this is it, and sure enough, we really felt like that was the name of what we were supposed to be, and two months later, we voted on as a church, and it passed with flying colors that radiant life, and it's just interesting to realize that when you have a denomination in your church's name, it can be a hindrance. It's not always a hindrance, but it can be. And so we just know for us, for us, what the Lord's plan for us and this community was, ours was a hindrance. So we wanted to, we're not ashamed of our denomination, but we're, we don't want to promote our denomination. We want to promote Jesus Christ first and foremost, and that's what we ought to do. And it's cool looking at the name now to realize like, Hey, we're in an identity series right now, and we're talking about we're marked by the presence. What did Moses, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, he came down after being in the presence of God, he came down and said his face was radiant. And I'm like, that is us. Let's go and be radiant to this broken community. Let's go and be a bright light in the darkness. Come on. No, sorry, I took that one, that question over. Just no, that's all right. So, but so then, uh, regarding like the second and third parts of that, the vision and purpose behind it, again, like this is what our life should look like. Yeah, like, we should live a live a life that is lit up by Jesus. So. And that's that's how we end services or end little things. We tech, we we try to say, I just it's become our thing, so to speak. Is hey, go and be radiant. Go and shine the light of Jesus to people. We have it on our exit doors as you exit. Our facility here, the building, it says, "Be radiant, go." Yeah. And how does it, how does it fit our community uh, here and in Sturgis and the surrounding areas? Well, not not to pick on Sturgis because this is true of, of every community, but there's darkness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and we're right. called we're called yeah. to be a light. So, you know, you could be a radiant life in any community in the world, even like uh, Baroque. And there would be a, even even in Baroque. Yeah. yeah. I'm all yeah. <laughs> So all the Baroque listeners. You're picking on Baroque. Would, I, I always pick on Baroque. Um, and plus we also have a staff member uh, who's from Baroque, and I poke fun of her too. Hey, if it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. Oh, <laughs> <boy>. <laughs> nice. Next question. <laughs> all right, we'll do uh, just a real real brief response uh, from the four of us on this one. Because, again, uh, if you go back to episodes 10 and 11 of Radiant Reflections, we, do, we did two episodes all about sort of this topic. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. But uh, how long have you worked at Radiant Life, and what called you to ministry? Uh, Kinsey, let's start with you. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. What year was it? <laughs> what, what year was the name change? Uh, 2016. 2016. April so, of 2016, we had a name change. So would it have been 17 or 18? I think you were 17. Okay. So three years. Yeah, well, 
Wow, this will be four years this spring. So you're three and, you've been here three and a half years. Yeah, wow. Dang, it doesn't feel like it's been that long. All right, answer the question. Uh, what was the second part? <laughs> what called you to ministry? <laughs> uh, God called me to ministry. That's fair. Next. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <least> uh, serious. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Done. That's yeah. Okay. Peopling. Yeah, I, yeah, people. I, yeah, paradox. go back to the other episode. I mean, I, I think I elaborated no, you, more yeah, on you, the you conversations. Did, did. Yeah. yeah, so go back, yeah. episodes 10 and 11. JB? Uh, I've been at Radiant Life five years, uh, just a few months after Ryan and Josh came, I think. Yeah. Yeah, just a few months. Um, and I knew I was called to ministry before I was saved. It was weird. I would be these drug-induced... Uh, crazy times and I would share the gospel with my friends like I would begin to tell them hey you need to follow Jesus I wasn't following Jesus at all <laughs> so yeah you should man <laughs> you guys should you totally you know? not me yet but <laughs> don't do this man <laughs> do what I say not what I do so yeah calling calling for me has been um uh yeah a big part of my life I've been been a, a church staff member for 20 years it's been, uh, I'm, o- I'm old. <laughs> er than the rest of us. Older, not, old. <laughs> not much, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, calling, uh, love it. Wouldn't do anything else. Rock and roll. Ryan? Uh, five and a half years. July of 2015. I can tell you, July, tw- July 19, 2015 is when we moved here. Yeah, so five and a half years, and I always, I, I felt a call to ministry my freshman year of college. I just kept pushing it aside, because I'm like, I'm not going to work in a church, like, that's for other people, not me, type thing, so. There you go. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, I've been here since August 9 of 2015, and so yeah, a few weeks after. Dang, you guys know the days, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm slacking. <laughs> it's all right. All right, you got your low beams on this morning. <laughs> That's okay. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Sunday school answer, yeah, God called me in a ministry. Um, my wife and I have wrestled with what that would look like for a lot of years, and then Ryan invited us to come down here, and we're like, okay. So uh, that was that was kind of our process. But, yeah, episodes 10 and 11 if you want more details on, on yeah. uh, the four of us. Um. Next question. I have been feeling like I have outgrown my group. Is that a way that God might use to create another small group? And I just, I read that verbatim. So, so they're in a, sounds like they're in a, I'm going to take this as they're in a small group. They feel like they've outgrown it. Is this God opening a door for them to start a new group? This is the way I'm going to understand that. If you ask that question, and that isn't what you meant, <laughs> Uh, email us, podcast at the radio. <laughs> <laughs> <So. clears throat> All right, what do you guys think? Maybe uh, I feel like there's more behind the question. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. So it's hard to respond yep. to the question because I feel like there's other things going on potentially. So do the Paul thing and anticipate any possible reason why they might ask that and then address all of those. I love, that's why I love Paul. Paul's like a. But I'm not Paul. Lawyer, I'm just man. Brandon. Like, like Paul will like. Oh, <laughs> you might say this. Well, I'm gonna deal with that before you even ask it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so. uh, you know, maybe there's some tension there. Maybe they there's not chemistry with other people in the group, and so maybe they're looking for another life group sort of thing. Um, 
maybe the conversations aren't going as deep as what they want sort of thing. Like there's just so many variables in that. So it's hard to answer the question directly. Um, I mean, awesome job to this person's in a life group. Cause I think that's really important. So I praise this person for even being in one. Um, it sounds like maybe there's some sort of uneasiness there and, uh, and I think that's good. I think God, that's where we really need to see God is in those uneasiness seasons that we're in and really seek out him, uh, seeking out his presence, um, and look for that direction of, you know, God, are you trying to reveal something in me or is there something that I can contribute to this group? Are you calling me to another group? Like there's a bunch of different kind of questions that you could ask. So I don't know. I'm kind of wrestling with giving a direct answer to that um, just because it, I, it feels like a loaded question without being able to have a conversation with the person to help guide them through a more direct response. Does that make sense? Okay. How would you guys respond? Or do you think I'm out in left field, or do you guys agree? No, I mean, I, I would have the, kind of a similar response, and my first question would be to ask the why of, why would right. you say of yourself that you've outgrown right. small group? Mm -hmm. So for me, that's a, that's a question. You know, if it's outgrown in the sense that God's calling you to something deeper, mm -hmm. then the answer is clear. Connect with Brandon and start a, small, a, a new small group. Right. But if the answer is that the people in the group, you know, are not feeding me or not providing enough for me, right. uh, the why to that question would, would probably be, would send that person right down. Because uh, I don't think you ever outgrow. That's Your exactly roles what change. I was going to say. Right. Yep. So let's say, let's say you, you get to a place outgrow. of maturity, this person that's answered this or asked this question, and you feel like, you know, you've outgrown that group. Well, maybe that's actually God's maturity in your life for you to begin pouring into the other members of that small group in a new and fresh way. Yep. Uh, maybe that maturity is, you know, God doesn't give maturity for no reason. Right. Maturity yep. is for others. It's to give to others. So I'm a firm believer, bloom where you're planted. You know, keep it simple. Be Jesus where, where you're at uh, as best you can. That doesn't mean that it's not time to talk to Brandon about a new small group. Maybe right. it is. But start considering those questions. And if you have a real, you know, maybe a mentor in your life that can help you answer those in a healthy and honest way, that's going to send you down the right path. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this in the next steps, and we try to give visuals to help illustrate this point. You know, Paul talks about the physical body growing, uh, you know, like a baby, uh, a toddler, you know, preteen, teenager, young adult, adult sort of thing, and how we just progress physically. It's the same way spiritually. Like, you know, we're born again, right? Like Jesus talked about being born again in John 3, like that – that's a baby. Like, you don't know how to feed yourself spiritually at that point sort of thing. Like, you, you need to be nursed. You need to be fed sort of thing. But at some point, we need to grow and mature to where we learn how to self-feed in order to help others feed themselves. So to push back in a gentle way towards this person, because uh, they, did they use the word mature? No, they said, I've, I've been feeling outgrown. like I've outgrown. Outgrown. Okay. <clears throat> So I'm projecting here, um, I'm assuming that this person is, like, they're, they're putting themselves above. And so hear me on that. If, if you're listening to this, 
I'm I'm totally projecting here, but there's almost like I'm I'm elevating myself above the other people in the group, and maybe not in a prideful way. Check your heart on that. That's between you and Holy Spirit on that. But how can you help some of the other people in your group get to where you're at? Mm. How, how, like, if you're if if you're growing and you're more mature, how? Because God's called us all to be disciple makers. So how can we help the folks that are already in our group become disciple makers themselves? And so I just want to emphasize what you said, JB, about, you know, bloom where you're planted. And maybe God's put you in this group for a reason mm-hmm. sort of thing. But genuinely seek out Holy Spirit and say, man, do I have some pride that maybe has creeped in in the way that, I, I don't know. And maybe I'm just projecting on that. But Well, and, and bloom where you're planted, but, <clears throat> and I'm no botanist here. But we do have a botanist. We know among one, us. though. We know a botanist. We know I have a lot one. of flower tattoos. Does that count? <laughs> but right, like flowers bloom, right? But then there is a. There, we also believe in multiplication, right? Mm-hmm. When flowers grow and bloom and, and yeah. the seeds, like yeah. there's there's multiplication. The flowers don't all just like oh hey well I'm gonna just, I'm gonna bloom and then I'm gonna die. End of story. Right. right? I mean, there's this spreading. You like, want to multiply you know, yourself. Dandelions pop up all over the place. <laughs> right. So, so there is a there is a time and a place to multiply. Yeah. If you're in a group and you've been with the same group for the last 15 years, and you guys are or just gals. doing the same old thing, yeah. If you guys or gals are doing the same old thing, uh, yeah. Maybe it's time to to multiply and and bring in fresh blood. And hey, maybe you've got 10 people. Well, hey, five of you go here and invite five new people. Five of you go over here and invite five new people. Uh, yes, there are. Yeah, you don't want to be a holy huddle. Right. No, there's there's new brand new research out there on light, on small groups is saying no more than 18 months for the best fruit, no more than 18 months and then your group must multiply. You think it's that's not, because it becomes stagnant? Why? Yes, yeah. Okay. And it's not the idea of Oh, our group is splitting apart. Our group's done. No, you've multiplied. So the, some of you are still together, but you've got new people to it's disciple, a good thing. right? Yeah. And, and keep multiplying. Yeah. Well, I'll yeah. go. I mean, so uh, when Ryan and I were at, he was on staff, and I was just attended the church you know, up north where we where we were, right? Like we at one time, you know, Ryan and Katie, Nicole, and myself, and a few other couples, we were all in a life group together. By the time we left that church, like. Every one of those couples was leading a life group. Yeah, yeah. So, that's I mean, awesome. So that's, and it was hard at first, right? Yeah, because like, so we're like, like, oh, like I want to hang out with you know, like Ryan we had Katie fun, but and, we you know. knew that multiplication. I mean, yeah, God's a God of multiplication, right? And the more people that we were able to help disciple because we chose to multiply our group, it was awesome. Yeah, absolutely awesome. So that was a pretty broad response. So yeah. I think it's plenty for that person to chew on. I think get with Brandon. Yeah, I'd love to absolutely have that conversation. Rock and roll. How can they get hold of you, Brandon? <laughs> now, the best Speaking question, of Brandon. The best question of the entire submission. This one, we actually, we actually, this one probably required more research than any of the other, <laughs> any of the other questions. No, not really. Not really. Uh, how many tacos? <laughs> you can't even say it. I can't even say it. How many tacos does Pastor Brandon eat in a week? This is like the fun intermission right here. And, it is. And or how much does he spend on tacos annually? None of your business. <laughs> Do you have a taco line item in your budget? Yes. So I might budget things slightly different. Uh, you know, pre-COVID, I mean, I'd go out for tacos probably twice a week at a minimum. So when you could eat out, 
you know, oh, yeah. currently in COVID yeah. restrictions and quarantine, restaurants are closed for dine-in. So, and it has been for a while. So pre-COVID, uh, yeah, I was going out to eat at least twice a week eating tacos. <laughs> I'd have a lunch meeting and then I'd have at least one dinner. And I used to have a fantastic um, taco place across the street from where I lived, but they've changed chefs and menu and all that stuff. So, uh, and that would be about four tacos per sitting. And then depending on whether you'd have guacamole uh, with that. So I'll let you just do the math. Uh, you are. <laughs> I am going to go. <laughs> so you're doing eight. Eight times eight 52. times fifty-two. Eight. So about approximately four hundred sixteen tacos a year. Well, and what's That's the and what, what you pay? Side. What two bucks a taco? Because yeah, they asked about, about like two the bucks. annual. Like how much do you spend? Now annually? let's this is let's gonna be do depressing. this. Four hundred sixteen tacos. Let's say they each weigh a quarter pound. <laughs> how many pounds of tacos? So that's about a hundred. No, it's exactly a hundred and two pounds of tacos. One hundred and four pounds. One hundred and four pounds. One hundred and four pounds of tacos that you consume. That's awesome. That actually doesn't sound like much over a year. Yeah, one hundred and four pounds. One hundred and four pounds. That's two and a half bags of softener salt. Are you crazy? (laughs) But over a year, have you slept that down the stairs? Over a year. Yeah, but (laughs) you can go to a drive-through and go order a quarter. Like it's. Oh yeah. We're yeah. blessed with some awesome tacos. I was tacos. just about to say. Yeah. yeah. We, we have authentic, we have awesome real tacos. deal tacos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. All right. Uh, so 416 tacos per year. Oh, my Sim- goodness. Similarly serious. Number, number six. Number six. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. What? Kinsey, weigh in. Uh, no. Uh, I think it has to be round I think to be a sandwich. What? <laughs> to be round? What are you talking that about? Even mean? Yes, I'm with you. It needs to be on a on a on a bun. Like it a, is. A it's round. a hot dog bun. Have but you ever eaten shape. a sandwich? That's sandwich different. bread isn't round. Sandwich bread counts as as sandwich as well. Hold, but no, hold on. I, I forgot that question was there, you. so I didn't even off the top of my head. I'm gonna say. Yes. You're just it doing that. To, no, it has fight. to be. Well, a sandwich <laughs> is a bun and bun and things in between. I will bring in the, the actual official definition of sandwich. It is a noun. It says an item of food consisting of two pieces of bread with meat, cheese, or other filling between them eaten mm. as now. a light so meal. It has Hold on. To so, be. yes. Hold on. By definition. No, by definition, it is not. By definition. No, it's not. Oh, because you're, you're saying it's two. one. It's uh, one. No. By definition, it says two. Pieces. So it's a so it's a sandwich if you break the hot dog bun in the middle. I would agree. You buy the cheap buns. They typically do they that do. anyway. It's true. So. It's true. Yeah. Your hot dogs. So if you're buying cheap buns, it's a sandwich. If you're buying nice buns, it's a hot dog. I love this person. Whoever asked this question. Oh, Chad, you got a lot of time <laughs> on your hands, bro. I was supposed to put that. him under I the bus. Oh, to, sorry. I, I didn't realize. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, this person must have a lot of time on their hand to think of that question. <laughs> I'm curious what his opinion is on. See, so had uh, put in the comments, uh, wherever you're watching this, uh, what, you, what you said. And I, yeah, and I apologize. You? I did not mean to say your name. I think you'll be all right with it. Uh, just to make I'm up sorry. for it. I think Brandon should go buy him some tacos. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's right. All right. Uh, next question. Overseeing a church, 
is similar to running a business. Did you have to take business or management <laughs> classes in a seminary? That's a great question. No. No. But you should. Right. There's a lot of things that you should take in seminary <laughs> that you don't take in seminary. That's a great question. But no, you absolutely should. And I know sometimes people don't like the idea of church and business, but it's true. Like there is full-on business aspects to the church. But what? no, you... Seminary does not have, but I, I think those classes. You know, maybe maybe not in seminary, but this, the the four of us sitting here, and again, more information in episodes ten and eleven. But we don't come to this just with a, oh hey, I graduated high school, went to seminary, and mm. became a pastor. That's true. You know, we have a a variety of life experience. I mean, we all worked we, in the like, marketplace before full time ministry. A successful business. I mean, yeah. So maybe you didn't have that in your yeah. ministry training per se. I, I think mean, about you, you business. Have, yeah, like like <clears throat> what's the what's the purpose of a business? The business is to is to have order and structure and stewardship in a in place in a way that yields the maximum profit for the product sold. That's what a business is. It's no different in the church. We're not, it's the difference is our product isn't uh, tenable. Like it's not something that's profit. We're not trying to sell Jesus mm-hmm. in the sense that we want remuneration like a business would. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think about 1 Corinthians 12, 18, Romans uh, 12, 7, and 8. Uh, administration and leadership is a gift of the Holy Spirit which are both business principles. They're things, you have to have a gift of administration to be able to run a successful business. You have to have an administrator at a church, especially a church of our size, to be successful. You know, most of the statistics will tell you that when you get above 100 members in a church, a single pastor like Ryan can no longer shepherd in the truest, most healthy, and beautiful sense of the word, more than 100 people well. Mm-hmm. He can't visit all those people in the hospital. He can't pray with them when they get that, that uh, uh, call about that diagnosis. He cannot do that. When you get above 500, and when you get like us, where it's, it was over 900, close to 1,000 people, it takes an army of people to administrate what this uh, requires so I would say uh, to the person who answered this, every seminary school should be teaching uh, business principles. An executive or an assistant pastor like we have, this should be a role that you can go to school for. You're not only learning biblical principles, but you're learning you're, you're learning business principles because they apply. And ultimately, why is that? You think about a business. I am. I am responsible to the shareholders of the business to, to provide them maximum profit. Think about it. We've been entrusted with God's money to steward that money. We're responsible to him to use it in the best way. That's what business is. And ultimately, I think of Matthew 25 and, and the, 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 uh, the parable of the talents. You know, some people had one, five, and, and there was a multiplication that was entrusted to each person based upon what was given. Those are business principles. It's a business principle. So uh, being one of the people here that I, I, I run a business, I'm very, very pro-business applications within the church uh, because it yields the maximum fruit for God. 
He really does. Right. And the things that you learn in, in business world, and Ryan, like, I mean, prior to ministry, you were running a team of, of research scientists. You know, so you have you know, people management uh, skills. Leadership. Those don't sure. those don't stop applying just because right. you're in ministry. Right. You know, I mean, I was dealing with $3 million dollar research. Right. <laughs> like, that's on my plate and a team of seven researchers underneath me that, yeah, those skills carry over. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, do you take necessary business courses somewhere? No, but I've taken leadership, church leadership courses. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely principles in the business world that carry over into the church world. Yeah. I don't... I, to maybe the possible listener that, well, geez, you know, I, I felt like God was calling me into ministry, but now I need to learn the, like, God will equip the called. Like, I haven't had any training. It's not that those things aren't good and you shouldn't seek those and learn, like, but I've been on a pretty steep learning curve myself, but I haven't had any formal business training sort of thing. God has given me a position of leadership to look over people and administer you know, I got budgets that I need to to take care of, um, and God is, He's equipped me along the way. Has there been some failures in that? Absolutely, but you you learn from some of those things, and but I I definitely see the benefits of formal training. How that would um, it wouldn't be such a steep learning curve then for for someone. That's a story in my life, Brandon. I don't have any business training at all. And yeah. So it, it was the so Holy God's Spirit would show me at different <laughs> yeah. junctures of my business. He would show me this is what you need to do. I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> right. and I would just do it. Okay, Lord, this is what you're telling me to do. I'm going to do that. Right. And He blessed that obedience each step of the way. Yeah. So I'm with you. God, God can take really simple things um, and use them. But if you're it's interested in really, <laughs> if you're interested in church business leadership, kind of. Discussions more along these lines. I cannot recommend enough uh, the Kerry Newhoff podcast. And Newhoff is N I E U W H O F. Go back. Good job on that one, F-F. dude. Is it? No, it's only one F. Is, is it? it one F? I always. I don't know. Two Fs. Uh oh. But I barely anyway, Google it. Kerry Newhoff. Uh, he interviews and talks a lot about business and F. and church leadership. Great podcast. We all listen to that podcast. And if, and if you want just like straight up business gold uh go listen to at the table which is patrick mm, linchoni's that, that's podcast fantastic he's uh if you want to learn how to run a team well yep. uh he will at the table he will blow your socks off um yeah rock and roll all right uh next question i have always wondered about the genealogy of jesus in matthew one jesus is said to be a descendant of david however we find out that joseph is the descendant of david not Mary. Not to get too technical, but wouldn't it make more sense for Mary to be the descendant of David given Jesus' parentage? Again, the idea that uh, we say that Jesus was conceived uh, in a <laughs> non-standard way, right? I mean, the, the virgin birth. So <clears throat> why do we trace Joseph's lineage when from everything we can see, Jesus doesn't actually have anything to do with that. I don't know. Jump in, you guys. A lot of theology here. <clears throat> if you're ready to go, they don't, they're not jumping at it, JB. So, so if you think about it, Jesus was Jewish. We know this beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? He was Jewish. And in ancient Bible times, 
uh, lineage was always traced through the father. I mean, for, for those of you uh, that are watching later, we're recording this in January. Some of us are doing Bible in a year. If you are, you're in, you are in Genesis 12 today, actually. And we just started reading 10 through 12, all the lineage, Shem, Japheth, Jared, Seth, all these different people. Um, but what's also interesting is that in the Gospel of Luke, the lineage of Jesus is traced through Mary. So we see a different story. I know that there's conflict there. There's conflict. I know that there's conflict there. I am on JB's side. Yep. I, I, there's, but I don't think here's there's a strong what we, case for that, though. Here's what really we do don't. know. But there is because of the Greek. Yes. Here's, here's what we do know. And, and, and this is a theological must. This is a hill to die on. Jesus could not have been conceived through natural means. Not possible. Because this would have passed the inherited curse of the sin nature on him. Jesus had to be conceived supernaturally. So uh, we, see, we see Melchizedek. Uh, this this Christophany Ryan shared with us yesterday about a Christophany with no beginning, no end of days, no generations, no genealogies. Um, so, is it possible? I'm going to throw out another question here. Is it possible that Jesus did not carry the DNA of any human bloodline, having been conceived by the Holy Spirit? He, of course, was. We know he was 100% human. Had to be. But was his bloodline completely pure? and untainted by the sin nature of the human race. He didn't, have, uh, he didn't have the sin nature that we have. He did not have the, the curse being the second Adam. That's another theological term. Last, we know, Paul tells us, 1 Timothy 4, uh, 1, 6, Titus 3, this discussion was something that the first century church fought over endlessly. Genealogies was something that they, they fought with each other about. And Paul uh, tells Timothy and Titus, don't get buried in discussions of genealogies. Don't get, don't, it, it's good to ask these questions and to consider them, but don't, don't make it, what would you say, Ryan? Exactly. Don't a take molehill. a molehill, don't make right. it a mountain. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You so does to... Jesus have human DNA? <laughs> no, but I mean, but <clears throat> if you want to go that route though too, I mean, Okay, there are several things you could bring to bear on that. First of all, like we're applying our our modern Eastern view of how we trace ancestry. It's like, oh, they didn't have Joseph's DNA. Like, maybe not, but I mean, they didn't know what DNA was in right. the first century world. I don't think they were too concerned with it. Like, it's like, oh, hey, this is your kid, and you're related to so. He was adopted. Related to so and so. Joseph was his adoptive you know? father. We know that. And uh, which, hey, we 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 don't have the right DNA, but. God adopts us as sons, and we get all the rights and privileges of that. So Ephesians uh, 2. It works out okay for us. Um, but the other thing is, right, if, if we believe that the Holy Spirit can miraculously impregnate Mary, isn't if, if you want to get really hung up on the DNA aspect, right, isn't it also possible that he could miraculously impart Joseph's DNA or the DNA from the line of David? I mean, yeah, it's that's a, I don't know. That's the most I've ever put thought into that. <laughs> oh no, this is because so I, I don't get into the, the weeds. Yeah, I, that definitely gets into the weeds. Yeah. But I, I but live, for the people the that when it. the Bible was written, like genealogies <laughs> yeah. were super important. Yeah. yeah, and actually, I was read so in preparing for this, I read there are some very angry Jewish people that, that think it's absolutely insane that we attribute 
Davidic lineage to Jesus. Interesting. They, yeah. mm-hmm. yep. But but if he Same. is, because if they can rule him out of the line of David, he couldn't be the, a Messiah because the mm-hmm. Messiah was prophesied yeah. to be in the line Well, they're going to argue that from so, Matthew's because Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. And right. so, therefore, they're saying, hey, you can't because Jesus is not technically Joseph's son. There's no DNA there. But you got to put on that ancient world glasses again and lenses and saying legal rights was huge in the ancient world. And what Matthew's showing is Jesus has legal rights to the throne because as the adoptive son, if you will, of Joseph, he has legal rights to the throne of David. Well, And, and that's what Matthew's getting at. But so I do what, agree. I do think, I 100% agree with JB, Luke is fully writing from Mary's genealogy. See, and I, I just from what I'm You have at, no I Greek think, word for son-in-law, and you immediately know Hallel or whoever that next person Hallel, after. It, yeah. That's Mary's dad. Because you get Jake, Joseph's dad in Matthew. This is a completely different dad, unless you're going to go on the argument that Joseph had two fathers. And that which, opens which, up a which whole other can of worms. So that, which is one, of the, one yeah. of the things that people bring into this. The idea that, well, you know, because you had, you had laws that, well, let's say Joseph's, you know, whatever, he died. So then his, his brother. dad's brother, brother married yeah. Joseph's mom. Yep. Well, they had that in place so that the first brother would still be able to carry on his lineage. So he right. still gets props, even though he wasn't actually the biological father of Joseph. It was all about inheritance. <laughs> right. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, so there, there are Land. a variety yep. of, of views on on this one. Uh, yeah, the, the, the idea that Luke traces Mary's genealogy is a common one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't think that the case for that one is super strong. But uh, you could. You could. Yeah. You could. We could go a thousand different directions with this and spend. The <laughs> Ultimately, next. here's the here's an uh, amazing <laughs> thing. Person who a- asked this question, Jesus in his existence fulfilled hundreds of prophecies. Right. Things spoken about him before they happened. Uh, if you take six of the prophecies of the hundreds that he fulfilled, and this is one of them, we know uh, from Isaiah that Jesus said he'd be born in this town, in this family. Okay, if you take six of those, this is a mathematical uh, parallel to that, that um, possibility. You could cover the state of Texas 12 inches deep in silver dollars. You could take a Sharpie and put an X on one of those silver dollars in the, 12, the, the one foot depth of the whole state of Texas. And then me and you, person who a- asked that question, we could get up on an airplane, we could leap out with a parachute on our first try, land somewhere in Texas and grab that silver dollar that has an X on it. That, it's so many zeros after it. It's like times unspeakable, impossible, no other way but miraculous fulfillment of prophecy. Matthew 1 Luke 1 is just one of those examples of the amazing, amazing miracle of Jesus' birth. It was spoken before, and then it happened. One of the many reasons I believe the story of Jesus is real. Yeah. But I'll, this also gets back to context, too, of understanding why, why did that particular author include a genealogy? You know, because we know in Luke... He goes all the way back to Adam, mm-hmm. so he he right. highlights the humanity of Jesus. Uh, Matthew highlight Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. You know he goes back to Abraham, <clears throat> so he's highlighting the David. Jewishness, and he you know they tied into David. <clears throat> but we can't look at it and say, oh, 
the reason they wrote what this was to prove that he was in the line of David. Uh, I mean, I'm saying well, you would have to look at that and, and say, is, is that what uh, Matthew and Luke actually intended with these genealogies? Um, if not, for us to, the fact that there are 800 different views on whether or not their genealogy actually shows them in the line of David, if they didn't write it to show that, then we're, <clears throat> we're adding things to the text. I don't know. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to add on that? Okay. No. No? All right. Uh, last question. <clears throat> I've always been interested in learning more about the quote-unquote heavenly beings uh, slash mythical creatures, whatever you want to classify them as. The Bible only mentions them a few times, but never goes deeper. Specifically, Genesis 6-4, when it mentions the Nephilim living on earth with humans and having children with daughters of humans. This is a fun one. I, well, I, <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do we want to, well, uh, Ryan, I don't think we've started with you on most of this. You want to jump in first on this? I know he, I know he's going to have it. And I well, know he's, he's going to throw everyone to the Bible project. Right. Which is a, a, just a, a resource. good resource. That's not the resource I was thinking. Well, you're going to have a good one. Totally William throw. Fertile Party or whatever, the guy that. Fertile Party. I don't know. Whoever, whoever wrote the book that the Bible project bases their stuff on. Yes. Oh, yeah. Heiser. Dr. Mike Heisner. I was close. Yeah, you were real close. <laughs> no, here's my only response. Here's my only response to this. This is, I was going to let everyone answer first because I don't have much on this one. There's a reason why we don't have enough stuff because it's not that important. That's what I would say about that. There's, there is some significance, don't get me wrong, but if God wanted us to know more, we would have known more. And we don't. Well, and, and I do think, you know, the Bible Project, you know, and Kinsey, you can talk about it more, and you're Mike guy Heisner. <laughs> Mike Heisner. Uh, you can talk about that. Sorry, where, Mike Heisner. Where we have to, and I'm sure, I'm sure Mike Heisner is a, is a wonderful person. Um, we do have to be careful in, as we explore this, given that we don't have a lot of information in Scripture, we have to make sure that we take every other voice at the table with a handful of salt. Yeah. Because... Not a pinch, a handful. It, it isn't. Love it isn't. That. It isn't scripture. Yeah. Right? Now that yeah. being said, yeah. Kinsey, you want to talk about the Bible Project and well, like Bible Project has a whole series on spiritual beings. I'd uh, go check that out. Which, for those of you not familiar with the Bible Project, this is a, a a video, and I think they do podcasts and everything. They there's way more depth there, but they do an overview of every book of the Bible. They do themes. They do word studies. Um, and they did a whole series on the supernatural and spiritual beings and where those two worlds collide. I would argue that Scripture does talk a lot about yes. spiritual beings. The Elohim. That, yeah, so first example would be Psalm 82, verse 1. God stands in the divine assembly. Well, assembly means plural, right? That means there's other beings of something there. He pronounces judgment among the gods, lowercase g, which the word there in Hebrew would be Elohim. So there is the Elohim who created all things, all beings, whether they're in our world that we visually see, and there's also this unseen realm or this unseen thing that's out there i mean there's tons of scriptures job uh he talked about it i, I wrote down references here um job 38 verses 4 through 7 go check that out going back to genesis go check out genesis chapter 1 verses 26 through 28 
So I wrote down a couple of references there just to kind of whet your appetite in it. Um, if you really want to go into the weeds on that, um, Dr. Mike Heisner wrote a book called The Unseen Realm. Uh, I think it's like 12 hours of audio book. So it's pretty sturdy um, sort of book. So I haven't even read the whole thing, but I've gone through, I use on my software program, I've gone through it with some of his lectures and stuff where he references certain things. Um, so there's, when you see it, you can't unsee it. So there, there is, un, like even Paul, right, in Ephesians, like, we, we talked about this in the SWAT series. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, these authorities. So there's, I think God limits us on what we can see, but I think he also, like, hey, it's there. It is real. You do need to acknowledge it. Now, here's where I'm at in my personal walk with kind of going into the weeds and the thick of it is, I'm more aware of it, and I'm trying to equip myself. I think I pray differently for certain things now because I, the, the, the battle isn't necessarily directly in front of me. I think sometimes there's a battle. Now, I'm not trying to spiritualize every little thing and spiritualizing a can of soup or a chair or whatever. Like I don't think there's a, a demon around every corner, but there is something going around us, and in those two worlds, like, they've collided, they've overlapped. Um, at some point, we're going to see that, that unseen realm sort of thing. So it's there, but it's, like, I wouldn't make it into a mountain either sort of thing. Um, God's pretty clear on what we're called to, to be doing as followers of Christ. But I think when we are aware of it, um, it affects the way that we disciple other people. It affects the way that we pray about certain things. So I think there's a ton of scripture that actually talk about spiritual, not necessarily beings or angels. There's another book that Dr. Mike Heisner wrote um, called Angels and Demons. That one is kind of um, a smaller version of the unseen realm. Aren't that, they two books, angels, and then he's got well, there, there, Yeah, there is one about demons, um, I did finish that one. He did do a video teaching series on that one. I did not read the angels one because I had gotten so into the unseen realm one, the angels one. So yeah, I, you can go pretty far into the weeds if you want, but I wouldn't spend too much time there. Yeah, yeah, but be the, aware of it. The, the caution is, and I say this from personal experience, because right? I have a, I have, I've always had a, a fascination with. The supernatural with sure the, you know, yeah I, I love like fantasy and you know that oh type yeah of, uh, you know, genre of writing um and and a lot of years ago i did a i was doing a huge in-depth study on angels and demons but i had this realization like man i'm spending way more time on angels and demons than i am on jesus yeah there you go yep and yeah it's like it's like oh, okay maybe maybe this is out of balance so i so i had a i had to step away from it to be like okay i'm what what is my motivation behind wanting to know this? Is there it some yeah heart is it, issue? Is it, yeah. is it an unhealthy unhealthy draw towards yeah. uh, again the because there's there's power there, you know, right? Uh, mm -hmm. is, is there an unhealthy draw? Yeah. Um, JB, you were going to say. Well, I, I was thinking you know to the to the question uh, specifically, archaeology and the scriptures support this existence of these nephilim. Uh, one of the greatest characters in the Bible that King David destroyed. 
Goliath was a result yeah. of this union of demonic angels who descended from this spiritual realm, had sexual intercourse with humans, and giants were the result. Genetic uh, giants. We also know further in, in chapter 6 of Genesis, this is the reason for the flood. Yeah. This is the reason. It says that Noah was perfect in his generations. Most scholars will say that what, what, what is being said there is that Noah did not have genetic interference or substance from the Nephilim. And all of the earth had been destroyed. The flood happened. Uh, and the earth was repopulated from the family of Noah uh, because of the Nephilim, because of these giants in the land. Most scholars will say that. So that's, that's specifically to the scriptures. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we got to warn our listeners, too, that there is debate on still who the Nephilim is. Yeah, most yeah, scholars well, will say they're fallen angels. But there's angels, different opinions. Yes. But there are different opinions where people have to understand. I and think, I would, I would go in that line of fallen angels. How do they have sex with women? Because you know, this, I have because no this, idea. Well, that because where, this changes the, the, you know, in 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 the newer testament where we see it. Typically, if you see demonic activity, they are acting through a human agent, mm-hmm. right? You you have people who are possessed by demons, giving themselves right? over to the it. Nephilim. Would have, yeah. you know, would be more of a no, you have like a demon with physical form right. enacting things in the physical realm. I mean, so yeah. it, yep. it... And I think there's is. other but spiritual there, there beings are that are not that would an say, angel or a demon, or we just didn't have language for it. I right, think yeah, the just point, those are the there is spiritual that that's all there, beings. All actually yeah, it, in the Bible Project, they have these cool visuals that depict that and Babylon and that whole thing and... Which influence. they do. I mean, again, if you're not familiar with Bible Project, they're all videos. All have like really cool like. And they're only like they're less lines. than ten minutes. Most of them, like if they get more than ten minutes, they'll break it up. So it's not like it's like they're very engaging. The visuals are great. Uh, I've probably watched that series three or four times, not back to back to back, but because like okay, that's interesting, and I would just ponder whatever that thought was or that process, and then I would grow or I'd lean. Uh, read more scripture or whatever, and I'd have better understanding. And I'd watch it again, and I'd grab a new insight from it. So, uh, but they, you know, within the Bible Project, any of the resources that they have, um, they'll point you to other books to research on your own. And they also have podcasts where they go um, way, like kind of like what we do, where we go into a further conversation ab- about it, like. I mean, the idea of the Satan, like that's a whole thing right there um, sort of thing. So they, they talk about that because there's, like, we're, we're supposed to be obedient to God. Like, we, we understand that. We're, we're called to worship him and serve him, um, and we're called to be disciple makers. Well, I, I think there's a kind of that same idea within the spiritual realm as well of there's, these spiritual beings are supposed to worship and serve him as well. Um, sort of thing, and I think there's just as much rebellion in the spiritual realm as there is in our earthly realm that we see. So, and, and I think that's where some of the overlap is. Okay, just remember any of those resources, not yeah. the same way to scripture, not the same way to scripture. Absolutely, um, use it to broaden your understanding, but uh, don't let it replace scripture. 
Uh, and then if you watch those Bible Project videos, you can have a conversation with me about why I think that applies to the Beatles and Elvis. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yes. You'll have to tell me yes. after I, this. I remember this conversation now. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's actually pretty fascinating. But, all right, so that's, that's all the questions. Now, yep. in parting, do you guys have any final comments you want to? I would say in all these things, all these questions, I have a resource that I use regularly anytime I have to teach the Bible or answer questions from the Bible, and it's EnduringWord.com. It is a super simple written and audio commentary from David Guzik. He's a Bible teacher, and it's 25 years of research from Genesis to Revelation, and it's an outline format. It is so simple to understand. If you have questions from the Bible, I would encourage you don't ask a clown like me. <laughs> uh, uh, check out EnduringWord.com. Um, you'll be encouraged. You can ask JB. He's just being extra yeah. humble. All right, Kinsey, Ryan. Uh, I think wanna... uh, I want to make sure I get the website. Go, Ryan. I want to make sure I get this. <laughs> oh, there's website. no greater teacher than the Holy Spirit. Yes. And he won't contradict what he's revealed to us in his word. So, <laughs> yes. Great so, questions, everyone. Thanks for sending. Absolutely, us in. except I, for the taco question. I just don't I think that, that was, was warranted. Great. I thought that was. Well, I feel like you're you're trying to hurt poor Pastor Brandon. I know because I'm know? clearly not the only pastor who eats tacos. But there was obviously something there that this person went after. Yeah. So you. please email. Is it podcast at the Radiant Life Church? What do you want them to email? Uh, I want to know why I was singled out out of all I the I know pastors. why you were. Why? Because you have very, your, your love language is food, one of them. <laughs> and you are very descriptive and communicative about how much you like tacos and other food. I'm uh, the same. Yeah. The same, bro. Uh, yeah. Uh, one reason, I think it's called. Um, Tacos.com? No. <laughs> Ask Bible. I think it's called Ask Bible. How do you, can you order online from El Taco Loco? Can you? Jeez Louise, you guys are awful. 416. 416. You could pick that on any food. Anyways. What was the resource? I don't even remember Bible. now. It's called openbible.org. Like you can put a topic in and it spits out Bible references. Oh, yeah. And so what's nice about that resource is um, it's all scripture, but you put in a topic and I... Are you is that Blue Letter, Letter Bible? Blue Letter Bible. Bible Gateway does it too. Yeah. Bible Gateway. Mm-hmm. Bible uh, Gateway is probably what you're thinking. But this is a... No. It, okay. Yeah, I use it quite frequently. I'll just put a Google Logos is your go-to. Lo- yeah. Logos. Lo- I call it Logos, but yeah. that that's... If you want to, if you got a bunch of money just burning a hole in your pocket, <laughs> like Kinsey does, even out, even of money, even I after made payments spent, for yeah. like a year. Yeah, yeah, I'm still on a payment plan. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways, it, it like it has been oh. tremendous in my walk. It'll it really has. But dude, think about how many tacos you could buy if you didn't spend that <laughs> on a lot. That is my budget. Okay, all right. It's log awesome time. This has been episode 50 of Radio Reflections. Thanks for hanging with us. Best episode ever. 50 episodes. We're excited. Uh, We'll have to figure out what special thing we're going to do for episode 100. But uh, look forward. Eat tacos. And we've talked about Josh. (laughs) 100 tacos. For Christmas. Yes, I'm a, I will okay. say I'm a little disappointed that we didn't do that for this episode. But okay. we'll, we'll, have to, we'll, I think we'll it's do good. a standalone I, episode. We'll know that. if you can do this or not. But I got a, a, a sequential hot sauce. Uh, like each bottle is hotter, hotter, hotter. 
And we did talk about doing just a silly podcast where we get some chips from El Taco Loco. We'll put a dab of this sauce on and we'll each just video us eating this sauce up to Inferno. There was a reason why Inferno? I never responded to that text thread or whatever. I was like, that, y'all The are hottest crazy. one's called you Inferno? Scared. The it's hottest one pepper, is, it? has ghost chilies in it. It's not, I'm not scared going down. Uh-oh. Mm. You understand mm. where I'm it's going. Mm. That's the scary mm-hmm. part. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, hey, stay in, uh, in the loop because episode 51 is going to be a whole different kind of special. So we're not going to tell it's you. It's going to be a lot better looking. I'm telling you that. <laughs> These cameras have been put to the test today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks. We would love it if you would like, share, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, if you if you enjoy what we're doing here with Radio Reflections, if this has been a blessing to you, uh, just share it with the people that you're connected with. We would appreciate that. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.